0: Welcome into the Ball Blast Podcast. I'm your host, Kate. And I'm Michelle. And we've got a very exciting show for you today. We are like getting into the nitty gritty of week one. Yeah,
1: next week we have a football game. Uh Like
0: during the week.
1: Uh Next Thursday, we're only nine days away. Uh And I love that it's such a fun one too. We don't have to watch New England on Thursday night football. I feel like it always happens. We get to watch the Chiefs. And the
0: Texans. Or can we remember last year's game, which I thought was going to be super fun? Do you remember last year's game? It was Green Bay Packers versus the Bears. You thought that was going
1: to be fun? Nobody likes watching the Bears. I thought it
0: would be a fun defensive matchup, and it was just the worst.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think we can expect offenses to struggle a lot in the beginning of this season as well. But with the Chiefs and the Texans, with Watson and Mahomes, it has to be fun, right? There's no way it's not going to be. And the Texans have a lot to, like a lot of revenge probably built up in them from being up by so much in the playoffs. And they, they have so much
0: revenge, they went ahead and traded their best player yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. for peanuts. But I guess this is talk for next week, right? Because this is talk we for still next have week. one week left without football we're finishing up this off season with a fun episode we're doing some 2020 predictions bold predictions bold predictions but it's not just from us so we asked uh, some of you folks on twitter to give us your best predictions for a player and we're going to either blast your prediction into space we're so we agree with it we want to blast this into the universe and have everyone hear it or we're passing on it. Come on, get out of here. That oh, prediction is garbage.
0: Garbage. We're going to
1: be so mean. Garbage. <laughs> no, just kidding. But it'll be fun to uh, discuss those predictions and see how they work out at the end of the year.
0: Oh, yeah. We're definitely going to have to do a follow-up episode here. Speaking of Twitter, you can find me, Kate, on Twitter at FFBallBlast. And
1: you can find me, Michelle, at BallBlastM, BallBlastEM.
0: And don't forget to please follow uh, our, our BallBlast Twitter at fb. Check out BallBlastFootball.com.
1: Um, we have new shirts. They are awesome. Oh, my God. And mugs. Beautiful. Well, we have one mug, but you can pick different colors. And then, uh, what, phone case? Yeah. It's we've got some a tank top. We, well, it is pretty, but you can go find that on our shop at BallBlastFootball.com.
0: Check out Patreon. You can join our exclusive Slack chat, Patreon.com slash BallBlast. We have a very lively group over there. Very lively.
1: Let's get into the news and notes.
0: It's just in.
1: Breaking news. Breaking news. We actually have some massive news. Leonard Fournette was waived by the Jacksonville Jaguars yesterday.
0: I'm literally
1: shocked. I know a lot of people predicted that this could happen, right? But then we go into the NFL draft. They don't draft another running back. At least high. No, I think James Robinson is an undrafted free agent. So they don't draft another running back. So we're like, okay, interesting. They go the whole offseason without signing someone. They do have Chris Thompson. Chris Thompson, okay. And then we're 10 days away from the season, and that's when they think is the best time to drop their running back, who maybe I don't actually think he's all that talented either, but he's better than the guys you have behind him he's your former first round pick he's a top five pick and they're not i mean so they're saving four million dollars by cutting him but they still have to pay him four million dollars that's still a pretty big running back contract so it's not like they're getting out of his contract completely i don't really understand it i think there has to be something else in the back end that we don't know about yet but anyways he was officially placed on waivers yesterday at 4 4 p.m Eastern time. So we'll know today at 4 p.m. Eastern time if he, if anyone put in a waiver wire pickup for him.
0: I am like this whole situation is so baffling to me. I don't understand what the point is. I get not picking up his fifth year option if you don't see him as a uh, like a, a piece of your future offense, but to drop him like just literally wave him and. I, well, they said they couldn't be... get
1: anything for him, even a seventh rounder. But
0: it's just there astounding was... that you just don't, like, yeah, you need would...
1: this guy that much that you need it. That's what I'm saying. Something has to be that bad on the back end that you needed him out this bad. Now, there was a period after they announced that they were cutting him. They gave teams time to, you know, maybe send over a seventh round pick to grab him. No team did that, so they officially placed him on waivers at 4 p.m. This makes me feel like he might get through waivers with no one picking them up because let's say so Washington has the second waiver priority you know since he's number one they're not taking Fournette they have Mixon so if you think Washington might pick up Fournette then if you're a team behind Washington in the priorities wouldn't you just throw a seventh rounder their way right yeah but I, to make sure you got him, because if you if you pick him up off waivers you have to pay his four million dollar salary if he goes throughout the waivers and no one picks him up, then you know he's a free agent, and you can sign him to a new contract. I don't see any other team but Washington picking him up in this case, because why wouldn't you have just then thrown a seventh round pick their way to make sure you got him?
0: So I, something interesting that I read was that maybe maybe those rumors that they didn't see any of these late round pick offers, uh, maybe that's false. It, why would they want to? So apparently it is like a cultural a culturally respectable move to cut a player rather than trade him for literally nothing. Okay, but because he
1: still doesn't get to choose where he's going if he's on waivers.
0: He No, 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 it's not about that. It's not about that. It's about um it it's I guess considered just a uh, more respectful move between agents and teams. Yeah, NFL but then teams.
1: Doug Marrone, coach, came out and said, we couldn't get anything for him. Not a sixth, not a seventh, nothing. So if it was a respectful move... And I you, don't know. You wouldn't have said that. I mean, it was already you know that's a bad look on Jacksonville in general for their head everything's say a that. bad look. Yeah, in that Jacksonville. franchise is a disaster. And I'm not even like I'm not even a Leonard Fournette fan. And he does say some things and acts certain ways that you're just like, dude, like what is wrong with you? But and I actually don't think he's that talented. But I do think he's talented enough to be a starting running back in the NFL.
0: And I also like I just I, this doesn't make sense to me. And there has to be something else. I get so everybody's sort of argument that this would happen all off season is that the Jags didn't like him and I said they never have. Yeah like they never have liked him. They've never liked him since they since they drafted him. So I don't I don't really get this, but
1: Fournette doesn't like to play in the cold, so it will be interesting if he goes to any... He doesn't any, like
0: to play in the cold. <laughs> if he goes to any deep in the north, that will be interesting. But my I think the most interesting fit for Leonard Fournette would be Los Angeles Chargers.
1: Yeah, I think that's a good fit there. You could still have Eckler be the dominant receiving type running back. He'll still get some carries, but Fournette can take that big load as a workhorse back still uh, on the ground. I, you know, some some rumors are saying the Rams. That makes zero sense to no. me. You just drafted Cam Akers in the second. You drafted Daryl Henderson in the third last year. With two right, thirds. Yeah, two thirds. Like, ride it out with those guys and Malcolm Brown. Don't bring in Fournette. Maybe
0: work on your offensive line. The only
1: one that makes sense to me, um, besides the Chargers, would be the Patriots or Washington. Washington. But they would have to cut Adrian Peterson at that point. And you might as well just stick with Adrian Peterson. And you have two young bucks with Bryce Love and Antonio Gibson there as well. Maybe the Patriots. I don't know. It'll be interesting to see where he goes. Is there anyone on the Jaguars... Anyone in the Jaguars no. backfield that you want to draw. No. Raquel, Armstead, nope. Divine Ozigbo, James Robinson. Nope. I'll say if you're in a super, super deep league, I think the one guy I would take a shot on is James Robinson. And he might not even make the team, so I could look like an idiot in five days from now. But I do think but he's... But, like, how
0: deep does your league have to get, Yeah, Michelle? it
1: has to get pretty deep. I don't want anyone in this backfield of those three guys. But Chris Thompson in a full PPR league I actually think will be very good, uh... As long as he stays healthy, which is something he doesn't do. But we've been talking up James Conner this whole offseason. Something he doesn't do is stay healthy. So if we're going to give James Conner the benefit of the doubt, we have to give Chris Thompson Chris the benefit Thompson of, of doubt Chris Thompson has a
0: much longer track record of not being healthy. I
1: understand. But Chris Thompson, you know, we saw Leonard Fournette last year with 100 targets. So this offense in Gardner Minshew likes to pass to the running back position. They still don't have very many off- offensive weapons to pass to. I think Chris Thompson's going to be heavily involved in this offense, see a ton of targets. We have to remember Duke Johnson, Austin Eckler, Tariq Cohen, uh, James White. These have all been top 12 running backs in PPR formats without getting 100 carries. Besides Austin Eckler, he had a little bit over 100 carries. But we've seen this before. Someone that's not heavily used in the ground but heavily used in the passing game, they can be top 12. So I'm actually cool with taking Chris Thompson where he's going right now in about the 10th round. He might be moving up now that Leonard Fournette is cut. Interesting. But that's long enough to talk about the Jaguars' backfield. (laughs) So let's move on to a more interesting backfield. This is all bad news in our news and notes today. Alvin Kamara has been absent from camp. And Adam Schefter reported that it's believed to be contract-related. Do we think he's holding out? It seems like it. Do we think he misses any games? There's not a lot of news on it right now.
0: I absolutely think this is a holdout, and he even tweeted, I think a couple of days ago, said something about like sorry in advance or something weird and cryptic. But we we always knew that Alvin Kamara expected to get paid when Christian McCaffrey got his contract. Alvin Kamara was on live stream, and you got to see his reaction. Like you knew that he knew he wanted to get paid as soon as Christian McCaffrey got paid. I, I think that we I have think to he expect he should
1: be paid. Not as much as CMC, but Kamara is used as a receiver so much he does. You know, paying running backs right now has been risky. But a lot of those guys were more of that bell cow on the ground, and they are getting hit a lot more. Kamara, you know, he doesn't have as much usage on his body. He's more of that receiving type of back who can do it also on the ground. You have, what, one year left to go with Drew Brees. You have one year to do this thing. I don't think you can allow Alvin Kamara to sit out this year and risk that one you're going away.
0: On the on the flip side, though, Latavius Murray would be an excellent, excellent asset. Yeah. If Alvin Kamara holds out. And if I'm what drafting if? Alvin Kamara in the top five, I think you do need to secure Latavius Murray.
1: What if the Saints go and get Fournette? And they're like, you know what, Kamara, you can sit out. That's never going to happen. <laughs> Miles Sanders. Uh, we finally found out his injury. It's a hamstring strain, Mm. according to NFL insider Adam Kaplan. So this happened a couple weeks ago now. So he's had time to rest up. They're still not pushing him. It sounds like he should be good to go by week one. Hamstring injuries are always scary because you could re-injure it pretty easily if you don't give it enough time to heal. Does this make you scared for Miles
0: Sanders at all? It does a little bit just because of the draft price. But again, like... Looking at Alvin Kamara, that makes me nervous because of his draft It's price. interesting you say Kamara and I say
1: Kamara. Which one's right, which one's wrong? Ooh, I actually don't know. I think you're right, maybe. But I like Kamara better. Which one do I say? Kamara. Kamara. Huh. But Miles Sanders, I I think we need to just watch out for the next week. I'm still drafting him at the end of the first round, early second round. I'm not too worried about it yet. I mean, because we just brought up Alvin Kamara, right? He might be holding out. We have Dalvin Cook, who wants an extension as well. It seems like he's going to play. Joe Mixon hasn't been in camp because of migraines. uh, But then he was in camp yesterday, but not practicing. But, like, you either have a migraine or you don't. (laughs) There's no in between. Uh, So, you know, he might be holding out. Well, in camp as well those three are risky so it comes to the point where Miles Sanders isn't any riskier than those than those guys
0: you you make a really good point though that I do think that maybe this the contract situation specifically do bump Miles Sanders up a little bit because uh, you know hopefully the the injury occurred you know early enough you know before the season that he should be rested Jalen Rager, the rookie wide receiver with the Eagles,
1: who is shining in camp, is likely to be out four weeks with a shoulder injury. He had a slight tear in his labrum. Speaking of reasons to draft Miles Sanders. Yeah, for real. That team has nobody to pass to Hopefully Deshaun Jackson can stay healthy for longer than a week.
0: How have they not signed or, or just made a move to acquire literally any other body? You know, they have
1: Zach Ertz, and that's all they really need. So draft Zach Ertz. But Jalen Rager, he's not going to miss too much time. So it's he's going to be out four weeks, and that was starting late last week. So he might miss a few weeks of the season. He should be back. It does make him much scarier, the draft, because drafting any rookie wide receiver is scary. And now you're dealing with a guy that's missing the last couple of weeks of practice uh, before the season starts, and then will miss
0: games and also, it's a shoulder injury in a contact sport. How scary is that? Because it just probably takes, you know, one one blow, yeah. one significant well. We saw tackle.
1: we saw James Conner struggle with this type of injury all last year. The running back and wide receiver position is obviously different. I mean, the running back uses their shoulders a bit more. And the good thing about Jalen Rager, he's not really a contested catch type of guy. Like he's going to beat you, so there's a good chance he might not get hit at all because he's so fast and he's going to be open but that's still something to be worried about with him another rookie wide receiver this is the only good news that we have in this whole thing to oh, end it off hallelujah. brian edwards has been the starting x receiver um, at raiders camp that's pretty exciting yeah that's good news and you know it's looking like brian edwards and henry ruggs might be starters in week one both rookies Look out for that offense, maybe to struggle <laughs> just a little bit. Darren Waller, baby. But no, I am excited for Brian Edwardson to see what he can do. Uh but yeah, that rounds out our news and notes. Before we get into our segment, our blast or pass segment, let's talk about my bookie.
0: My bookie. Winning season returns at my bookie. Winning seasons means doubling your first deposit. You can do survivor super contest squares at my bookie. A winning season means hitting all of your parlays and props with your feet up watching your team trounce on their rivals rejoice it's time to celebrate the nfl season and what better way to celebrate than by placing some bets
1: you know what i enjoy uh sports betting a little bit too much uh, you know, player props are so much fun. Doing parlays and seeing if you can hit all of them. I mean, it's a little bit riskier, right? But with my bookie, you can invest in your intuition because you know how smart you are. And you know what? We're taking away some of that risk for you. You can use promo code BALLBLAST and double your first deposit. Oof. <sighs> New players get up to $1,000 in free play designed to add more excitement to the sports you love and the games you play.
0: Bet from live betting in the middle of the games, which is so my favorite thing to do. I love, love to play some mid-game bets. Once I see how the flow of the game's going and get a feel for for the vibe, the juice of the, the winning team or... If I if I have a feeling like somebody's about to make a comeback, that's like Derrick Henry
1: is going to break out for 200 yards that game.
0: That's you know, and that's what I did every 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 game last season. <laughs> just bet I just... on Derrick
1: Henry over his rushing yes. yards every game.
0: Every single game. So they've got live betting. They've got championship futures. Every play you want to make is waiting at my bookie. It's simple. You go in. You make your picks. You win big. Collect your cash. And don't forget to use promo code BALLBLAST to double your force deposit only at mybookie.ag. Five, four, three, two,
1: one. How about new? All right, we have our first take, our first 2020 prediction. It comes from The Vision on Twitter. He's- you would
0: think that should be a, a good predictor, right? The vision? Yeah,
1: he has the vision. He
0: has the vision, baby. And he says that Todd Gurley will retain his
1: RB1 status. So that means he'll end as a running back 1 through running back 12 in 2020. Let's go with half PPR. Are you blasting this into the universe? Is it going to happen? Or are you passing on this take?
0: Oh, I am so blasting this. I actually... I had to move Todd Gurley down in my rankings because when I I translated my season projections onto rankings, he came out as the RB6 on the season. I believe And I he was, was like, you high know, high me, I so. I got to I got to slow this roll down cuz I'm not comfortable drafting him as my RB6 uh just especially given the injury history, but I think that Todd Gurley is one of the most underrated backs in this league right now. He's on a one-year deal. What does Atlanta have to lose at this point?
1: Yeah, and we heard in the beginning of the offseason, Dirk Cutter was like, I don't know. We'll see if he's healthy. That was weird. That was weird. But now that he's been in camp, there's been good reviews on him. He looks like he has a good burst to his step, and really, who else is in this backfield? He is going to be in a workhorse role. Like, Ido Smith does not get a lot of playing time. Brian Hill does not get a lot of playing time. What about Listen, Yeah, they don't have anyone else in this backfield. I am blasting this as well. I really like Todd Gurley this year because he's going to get the work and he's going to be used in the passing game. Devonta Freeman was the running back 20 last year, only playing 14 games, the running back 20, and he was bad. Like, Devonta Freeman wasn't good. He was bad, and this is how easy it is to be a top 20 running back in fantasy. I just want people to realize that when they're like, well, he was the running back 24 last year. wasn't so bad. Yes, he was. Running back 20 (laughs) to 30 is not good if you play nearly a whole season. Just... You could look at Devonta Freeman, running back 20 last year. So we're saying Todd Gurley only has to be eight spots higher than that to be an RB1. And I definitely think that can happen. Dirk Cutter is the offensive coordinator with Atlanta, and he always uses his running backs in the passing game. We know Todd Gurley can be used in that space. Freeman had 71 targets, I believe, last season in 14 games. You should expect those to go over to Gurley.
0: Yeah, he definitely Todd Gurley maybe saw a like a lower snap count than we would have liked last season with the Rams, but I definitely think if they they sort of utilize his touches in the correct way, you're going to see him you know play hopefully a full season, if not pretty close to it. And let's not forget the fact that he's only had one season in his NFL career with fewer than ten touchdowns. Yeah, and there's nobody else here that's going to take
1: away goal line carries from him. It's not like Matt Ryan is this massive goal line carry stealer at the quarterback See. position. Yeah, so it's going to be Todd Gurley or bust in this backfield. And this offense should have a lot of opportunities to, to score. So if you were to tell me Todd Gurley will have double digit touchdowns, I totally believe that. I have him at the lower end of RB1, maybe like RB10. 12, but I definitely think he can be in the RB1 status.
0: Well, I think even when you look at what Todd Gurley accomplished last season as a receiver, um, saw 49 targets, had 31 receptions for only 207 yards. If you're looking at his career-long stats, um, he actually dropped a bit in terms of yards per target. His career average before last season was 7.5 yards per target. He actually only had 4.2 yards per target last year. You have to expect some sort of positive regression back to his career average there. So I think he, you know, even if he had a similar target share, I would still expect him to be more productive as a receiver next year. I love 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 Todd Gurley. I don't think that it, it, it there's no reason for the Falcons to hold back. I agree. Moving on to the
1: second prediction, we are from Timothy Crowley at Gentle Indif. Gentle I-N-D-I-F. He says, AJ Brown is not a top 20 wide receiver in 2020. How about new Pass. Yeah, I'm passing on that hard. Get this take out of here. Listen, the only way I think A.J. Brown does not end as a top 20 wide receiver is if he gets injured. And now he did leave practice the other day with an injury, and we don't have any updates on that. That's me knocking on wood. Yeah, we have no updates on that. So we don't know how serious it is. It doesn't seem serious, at least all the reports coming out, you know, it's saying it doesn't look like it's a serious injury. So hopefully it's good to go by week one. And that's the only way this changes for me. But he has a full season now with Ryan Tannehill. He was already last season as a rookie with pretty much his whole first half of the season doing very little. He was a wide receiver 15 last season on the year, and that was only with 84 targets. Now tell me how he's only going to get 84 targets this year? Who is go- who is Ryan Tannehill going to pass to in this office? Corey
0: offense? Davis, man, this is his breakout season again. Yeah, and... For the fifth
1: time. <laughs> for the fifth time. They Literally also, for the fifth
0: time. Another
1: player that, that did not get his fifth-year option picked up. Shocker.
0: Oh, so this would be for the fourth time. Sorry yeah. about that, folks. So
1: we've already seen <laughs> A.J. Brown be top 20 without a big target share, and I do think those targets go up by quite a bit. Now, his efficiency was insane last year. He had so many yards after the catch. His yards per reception was over 20. That's going to come down for sure. But I do think those targets are going to go way up because, like I said, he's competing with Janu Smith and Corey Davis and pretty much no one else for receptions because as great as Derrick Henry is, he's not used in the passing game that often. They even got rid of Dion Lewis. So I, how try to do the projections out and tell me how he doesn't get 120, 130 targets in this offense.
0: A.J. Brown is the top 10 wide receiver for me this season. I definitely think that we have to expect I, I think I have him stated out for like 110 targets which like that's me being cautious super cautious I could project him for way more for way more but I'm like I just think it's better to temper my expectations but you know I, I think especially given you know his sort of ending to the year we really saw him taper off in the NFL playoffs but in the last six games to finish the season, he was averaging 100 yards per game and nearly a touchdown per game. For the
1: second half of the season, the second half of the NFL season from weeks 9 through 17, he was the wide receiver 3 in fantasy points per game. Only behind Michael Thomas and another guy that's disrespected, Devontae Parker. Uh, so wide receiver three for half a season that's not a small chunk and now he has a full season you know having 84 targets as a rookie is not a rare thing normally they're you know if you're a good rookie you have around 80 to 100 targets you don't have much more than that so I you have to expect growth going into the
0: second year and And you know what I wish I I had pulled up the stat before we actually got on to start recording this but I believe I believe that A.J. Brown is the first rookie since the year 2000 to get 1,000 receiving yards on fewer than 100 targets. I wouldn't doubt it.
1: And he's a big-bodied guy, so he is going to be their end zone target. Now, the one thing I'll say about owning, you know, playing A.J. Brown is that there's going to be some games. It's a Derrick Henry game, and they run the ball 35 times. Yeah. (laughs) That's what happens sometimes, and that's why we saw – aj brown disappear in some games but so you know what the he's thing is boom and bust but most wide receivers are boom and bust
0: and he doesn't need a huge target volume yep uh, he, he just one play it. he
1: could bring it to the house he can bring any catch to the house
0: and yes by the way i am correct there has been one wide receiver since the year 2002 eclipse a thousand receiving yards on fewer than 100 targets and it is aj brown yeah, he, he is a stud fantastic.
1: fantastic
0: studly muffin i am sorry friend i i'm I, i'm blasting this uh <laughs> but over the head with a hammer
1: all right next prediction from angry moose one at angry moose One. why are you so angry mr <laughs> moose jerry judy so that's the rookie from denver will outscore Cortland Sutton in 2020. So we have the new guy outscoring the third year wide receiver in that offense. Are you blasting this take or passing
0: it? This one's actually pretty close for me. So I'm gonna let, I'm gonna defer to you. You know what, it is very close. And I decided to blast this take into the universe. Let's make
1: this thing happen. You know what? This is The only reason I'm doing this is because, A, Jerry Judy is a fantastic talent. I know people say that, you know, you get too hyped up on rookies. That could be true. But Jerry Judy has been known to be one of the best wide receivers coming out of school now for a couple years. We've been very excited about him. People almost got bored with how good he was. So by the time he actually got drafted, they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. We already know you're amazing. So he is
0: He's this
1: great talent. He's one of the best route runners already. He can do it after the catch. And I think that's perfect for what this offense needs. Drew Locke can throw deep. Jerry Judy can go deep, but that offense prefers to go shorter, be safer because they have a good defense. Their run game should be good this year. So I could you know, I foresee them doing a lot what they did last at the end of last year. They did win four out of the five games that Drew Locke started. So maybe it wasn't good for fantasy, but it was a winning method. And Jerry Judy is one of those type of wide receivers that is really good in the screen game, is really good short, and then he can take that ball and bring it to the goal line on any given play, just like A.J. Brown did last year. And Cortland Sutton, you know, he really struggled last season with Drew Drew Locke. He's more of that contested catch type of player. Uh, he is a good route runner, and he can get some yards as a catch. It's just not the same. Sutton had 26% of the target share last year in that offense, eighth highest in the NFL and still only had 126 targets,
0: Ugh. and now he's actually has competition for targets. Last year he really didn't have anybody like Tim Patrick. And here's the issue too: is the fact that like it's not like Cortland Sutton is this guy that commands a ton of, of you know, touchdowns. Even um, you know he's going to be sort of that that more mid-range five-six touchdown guy, which is so weird because he's tall and he's big. Yes, but I could definitely picture Jerry Judy being like the the end zone target for Drew Locke and I think And what's
1: nice about Jerry Judy is he doesn't need the targets inside the end zone. He can get to the end zone after a catch. Sutton last year only scored on touchdowns that were targets inside the end zone. And he only had six touchdowns uh last season and then four touchdowns his rookie season. He didn't score a touchdown in twelve of his sixteen games last year because he had two games with two touchdowns. So that's, you know, only four games you got a touchdown out of Cortland Sutton. He was only on pace for 800 receiving yards with, in the games he played with Locke for a 16-game season pace. That's not pretty. So give me Jerry Judy. I'll, I'll, I'll take this. It's a bold prediction,
0: but I like it. And, like, sort of tying back into this whole touchdown thing, like, there are some wide receivers that could have 800 yards and still be, like, fantasy relevant. But if you're not scoring touchdowns, Like, I don't really project Cortland Sutton to do. You're not going to be fantasy relevant with that kind of yardage. And
1: I don't think he's going to be that bad where it's only 800 receiving yards. He should still get around 1,000. But if he only gets five to six touchdowns, you know, Jerry Judy could overtake that possibly or be at least close. Um, So I I love this. Blast it into space. All right, before we get to our next prediction, I
0: want to talk to you about Osimo. Awesome-o. If you play DraftKings, Vandal, or any other daily fantasy sports site, you've probably noticed the name Osimo at the top of the leaderboards because he dominates. Literally dominates. Yeah, it's not fair, Osimo. I want to win sometimes. <laughs> Share your love. Well, the team led by the number one player in DFS, Alex Osimo Baker, is launching its inaugural season-long and best ball fantasy football draft kick. So we can get in on the action too. Yeah, that you can share the love a little bit. Share the love, man. I, I
1: want to be a part of this. It's powered by the same projections that helped make Alex Awesome O'Baker the number one DFS player in the world and earned him more than $7.8 million in his career. You will get access to a wide variety of tools and insights to help you dominate your fantasy football draft, including rankings and projections by positional tier, Breakouts, sleepers, and bus scores, and the Draft Wingman, which, is, which will update rankings real-time as you make your draft
0: picks. For only $29.95, you get access to the Awesome Draft Kit, but we are giving you 50% off because we are we want you to win this season. With us, with Awesome, just use the promo code BALLBLAST. Head over to awesomo.com. That's A W E. S E M O dot com slash draft kit and pick up your 50% off pass right now. This NFL season will be a wild one, but Osmo will have you prepped.
1: All right, next up we have a prediction from Joshua Hatcher at Josh JJ Talks Pod. And we have the same prediction from another person on Twitter, McDynasty. I love that name. McDynasty. I know. I like that. He's going to get
0: a McChampionship this year.
1: (laughs) At Dynasty Guy 2. So they both said that Robert Woods is going to finish as a top, one said top five wide receiver, one said top six wide receiver in 2020. Are you blasting this into the universe or passing it?
0: I actually think I'm going to. I'm gonna blast this. Oh,
1: wow. I'm passing it hard.
0: <laughs> so, why don't right, you I'm... give your reasons, yeah? All right, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah.
1: Sorry, yeah. I cut you off just to give you your Jeez. reasons.
0: Whew. Um, talk about the heat. So, I, I actually think that that Robert Woods definitely does have that upper echelon vibe. Maybe not top six, but can I say, like, can we still give no? It McDynasty says top credit? Six. Can we still give him credit if he's like top ten? No. This is top six, top All five. Right. Well, never mind. I guess I'll pass. Well, okay. This
1: is by reasons why I'm going to pass. And then maybe you'll agree with me. Maybe you won't. But over the past two seasons, Robert Woods has had 130 and 139 targets. That's a lot of targets. And he ended as the wide receiver 17 in fantasy points per game in 2018. And ended as the wide receiver 18 in fantasy points per game in 2019. Now that's half PPR. Uh, That's pretty much where I have him you know, ending around again this time. There's no reason to think his targets are going to increase much more than 140 targets. He had 139 last year. Now, I do think he's going to be heavily involved in this offense, but you still have Cooper Cup. and He, you know, he started missing time last season at the end once they moved over to a different type of, you know, system with the 12 personnel, with the two tight ends on the field. But I think they get Cooper Cup back involved. He's still that touchdown guy. Now you have Tyler Higby, who's going to be super involved in the offense because he's shown what he can do last season. You have Everett back. Rookie Van Jefferson's getting a lot of buzz. You know, I, I don't see how Robert Woods just totally dominates him because it becomes a top 10 wide receiver in fantasy. The biggest issue with him is he doesn't score enough touchdowns. He's never scored more than six touchdowns in his seven-year career. I don't expect that to increase this year. There's really no reason to believe that unless Cooper Cup gets injured or, you know, Higby misses time. I expect him to have a good season. But his yards per reception is also not super high. It's like around 11, 12. His touchdowns are too low. So both of those things together, I see a ceiling more as a wide receiver 12 to 15, but not a top 10 wide receiver or top five, which they're predicting.
0: Yeah. So the the biggest issue with, uh, like, Robert Woods and Cooper Cup in general, for me, is the fact that if we see Cooper Cup assume a similar role that he did last season, um, which was, you know, playing in the slot, which he sort of got displaced by the second half of the season. Like you said, he lost some snaps, uh, mostly when they, they reconfigured that, that to a 12-man offense. They... Didn't really have Cooper Cup in the game that much. So I mean, he
1: was still there, nearly seventy percent of the game. I know,
0: but the the important thing... he lost targets, right? Yeah. Like, so, but you know,
1: not touchdown opportunities.
0: But you do have Robert Woods there, who is that like ex wide receiver in this offense? He's not being taken off the field. But don't you think?
1: In this whole offseason, they have to prep for this new, you know, if they're going to use 12 personnel more, maybe they figure out ways to get Cooper Cup on the field more often than they did at the end of last year. I mean, Cooper Cup is a fantastic wide receiver. You can't just take him off the field. And I know Robert Woods is is great as well. I just really don't see his targets going up that much to make him go from wide receiver 17, 18 in points per game all the way up to wide receiver five his touchdowns are going to have to increase like crazy. Like, do you really think, I mean, he's not going to get that much more than 150 targets. He had 139 last year. Does 11 targets bring him from wide receiver 18 to wide receiver 5? Like, I don't think so.
0: But in those, those uh, what, six games to close out the season last year, he was averaging nearly 11, uh, sorry, 12 targets per game. <laughs> yeah, what does that bring him to? hundred and eighty-one. <laughs>
1: exactly. That's when you have to look at the 16-game pace and say, maybe that's not possible. He's not getting a hundred and eighty-one targets or even remotely
0: close to that. He does, But what I'm saying is, like, maybe he doesn't need to get to a hundred and eighty-one, but we can see just look He's at that. He's not even getting usage. to one sixty. Okay. I
1: don't see it. I, I really like Robert Woods, but I like him as a wide receiver, too. A very solid wide receiver, too, to put into your lineups. and not consider him a top-tier Fantasy Out of curiosity,
0: ones, yeah. how would it how would it look for you if you knew that Cooper Cup was going to have that same type of role that he did last season with Tyler Higby in the second half of the season? Does that change the way you would look at Robert Woods or so, like, are you thinking that no, they've I'm used super Cup differently? Or? I'm already assuming that. I mean,
1: that's how Robert Woods got to 139 targets last year because they used him so incredibly much at the end of the season. If i pace pace
0: for 180 targets. Yeah, regional. but if they
1: never used him like that, he would have also been on pace for a lot less. Like, if you look at the beginning, the first half of the season. So... You know, I I think putting him around 140 targets is kind of saying, okay, we don't expect Cooper Cup to be as involved as he was in the earlier parts of the season in 2019. Okay. Moving on. We have two more predictions to go, and it's one from Kate and one from I. Let's start from mine. Uh, and I'm sharing mine with someone else because Jeremiah. Maya, J- Jeremiah, Jeremiah. Oh, wow. I had issues saying that. At J. Dib. J-D-I-B-B say 6 he had a prediction very similar to mine so he said DJ Chark will finish as a wide receiver 1 in PPR scoring I'm changing it to DJ Chark as a top 8 wide receiver in 2020 so he's saying top 12 I'm saying top 8 We both agree that DJ Chark is going to be fantastic this year. So clearly I'm blasting my own take into the universe. (laughs) Are you blasting or
0: passing, Kate? Uh, I am absolutely blasting. Somebody actually on Twitter the other day posted a screenshot of the Fantasy Pro's expert consensus rankings, and you can actually use that to see which analysts are highest on players. And I think you and I actually both have him ranked as the wide receiver 8 on the season. We do. And... We're both the highest among all. There's Andy oh. barons
1: I believe, from Yahoo Fantasy. He's and, also had But him. I think
0: he has him as 9, as wide receiver 9. Maybe.
1: But I don't think this is a crazy take because he was already the wide receiver 8 from weeks 1 through 14, and then he just played through his injury. He got injured in week 14. There's only Darn so you, many, martyr. There's only so many times I can say this. Like, he was already the wide receiver 8 in 2019. He just got hurt. He missed a game, and then he played through his injury and stunk it up real good. And he fell from wide receiver 8 from week 14 to wide receiver 17 once we got through week 17. So people just see wide receiver 17 ending and forget how great he was. So I don't think putting him in the top 8 is that wild. Now, we're looking at his, his team situation, right? And the team has basically no defense. Uh, They now have no run game with Leonard Fournette. (laughs) Minshew's going to have to throw the ball 600 plus times. If they're going to try to win games, I don't see how Minshew doesn't have more than 600 plus passing attempts in this offense because there's no running back to lean on. Your best running back is a receiving back in Chris Thompson. And there's not a whole lot of other competition there for DJ Chark in terms of targets. I mean, I guess you still have D.D. Westbrook. He's really not proven to be this great talent like most were predicting in the earlier years. You have LaVisca Chenault. He is a second-round wide receiver rookie this year. He could take a step forward, but you can't expect him to take too many targets away in this offense. They don't have a tight end, really. That's worth it. Tyler Eifert, we'll see if he can last past three games. So, DJ Charkman, like, try to do the Jacksonville Jaguars projections as a team and tell me where those targets are going to if Minshew's throwing the ball 600 plus times to try to just stay with opposing teams. Yikes. Um, it's going is to DJ
0: Chark, baby. The- 200 targets. <laughs> I have Gardner Minshew as a top 10 quarterback this season. And honestly, like that was even projecting Leonard Fournette within that offense. So thinking about the need to play catch up, like, remember Blake Bortles, Jacksonville Jaguars quarterback was the quarterback four in a really, really, really bad offense. That's wild. What was that in 2017, 2016? I believe it was 2017. They made it to the NFL playoffs and almost beat the Patriots. And it literally came down to like, you know, garbage. Yeah. It, it was it was pure garbage. In that's defense. what it was. It was
1: garbage time. They were you know, well, I guess that year they weren't always losing. I think it was the year before that he was so good for fantasy because there was a lot of garbage time. And he needed to come back. Yeah. And, you're right. and also, he did have that rushing ability to get you those fantasy points, kind of like Minshew. He does have a rushing floor. And again, they don't have a running game they now. They kind so. of
0: look alike. If you give Blake Bortles like a <laughs> Minchu, creepy
1: mustache, Minshew could lead the team in rushing yards. Like, he could. That could happen because there's nobody else there. Uh, one last thing I want to say about Chark is he's also a touchdown guy, right? He had eight touchdowns last year. He was fourth in red zone targets with 31 red zone targets, only behind Julian Edelman, Mike Evans, and Jarvis Landry. Weirdly enough, you wouldn't think of Jarvis Landry as this big red zone target guy, but apparently he was last year. And this is just including weeks 1 through 14, of course, because, again, DJ Chark didn't do much with that ankle injury. But I just, everything about his game, I'm very excited. News coming out. Out of camp, that he looks fantastic, that he's taken the next step forward, and that's enough of
0: DJ Chark. Just draft him in the fourth and fifth round of your drafts. Thank you. Draft him in the fourth round. If he doesn't make do you back, make it back to you in the fifth. I you'll cut off your arm.
1: <laughs> I I actually I drafted him in pretty much every single league I've done. So if except for the ones that I've gotten him in. If something happens to him or he busts, my my leagues are going to be that's pooping.
0: the worst part about us drafting in so many leagues together is that we do like we have these similar takes and get like get away oh, from oh yeah D. we chark. fight over
1: zach moss and uh dj chark oh every my time. lord and this guy we both really like so your take though you're really high on him raheem Mostert will be a top 12 running back in half ppr that's your take so clearly you're blasting it into the universe i am going to pass now, do you want to give me your reasoning for blasting this prediction into the universe, and then I'll see if I can change
0: my mind? Oh, absolutely. So uh, what I am, I'm sort of projecting for Raheem Mostert is not that he is going to always assume uh, the bulk of the carries. I do know that Kyle Shanahan likes to utilize you know, his, his varying running backs, but I do think that he found something special with Raheem Mostert. Last season, he did bring in Tevin Coleman from the Atlanta Falcons Um, who he'd worked with before and he was very productive, but it didn't work, right? Like Kyle Shanahan has used this sort of running back by committee over the last few seasons, but I don't necessarily think it's because he doesn't ever want to use a single running back. We saw him in Atlanta as the offensive coordinator, 2015, 2016, Devonta Freeman had 330 touches, 280 touches, He's not afraid to use a running back, but I think he needs to have an idea of who his running back is. And I think last season he showed it was Raheem Mostert. I mean, if you look at their touches just over the last season, um, you, do, you saw Tevin Coleman. He got a, a lot of work initially in that season, and he just gradually sort of fell off the cliff last season. He wasn't effective at all. He
1: he didn't do anything i can't believe how bad tevin coleman can be in an offense that is wonderful for all all running backs in that offensive system look amazing and tevin coleman would come in and just like how can you look that bad in this
0: offensive system he just wasn't efficient like tevin coleman could not move the ball unless it was into the end zone like four times in one game and that's that's pretty much all he could accomplish Uh, You actually saw Tevin Coleman and Raheem Mostert have the same amount of rushing attempts, but you saw Raheem Mostert end up with 230-some more yards than Tevin Coleman. That's a big gap in efficiency. Saw two more touchdowns despite the fact that Tevin Coleman was considered the the red zone guy. Raheem Mostert was the one scoring the touchdowns because he was efficient. Tevin Coleman got how many opportunities and didn't score?
1: So I agree with you in a lot of what you're saying, right? I think Raheem Mostert is the most talented running back in this backfield, and I don't think Tevin Coleman should be used as much as he was last season. You have Matt Bereta who left. Yeah, Matt Bereta's gone. So Had that's... 123 attempts last season. That's good. And the only reason I'm saying pass on this is because of Kyle Shanahan, like you said. But I do just – I don't trust him. And I know any given week he might move on to the next guy. You know, Jarek McKinnon all of a sudden is apparently healthy. And he wasn't cut from the team. He was restructured. He restructured his deal to stay. They're planning on using him as that third down back, as that receiving back. So that does take away from Mostert. We have to see Mostert get more touches near the goal line because he wasn't getting those last season. It was going to Coleman. I know Mostert was still
0: scoring because he was breaking off long runs. That's the beauty of Raheem Mostert. He led the team and avoided tackles. You saw it. Matt Breda have a smaller role than Tevin Coleman. Matt Breda actually had two more evaded tackles than Tevin Coleman did. No one's saying Tevin Coleman's good. But I'm worried that Kyle Shanahan doesn't care
1: and he's still going to play him. So then he's sharing the backfield with Coleman, with McKinnon, and then we have, we're have we hearing good news about the hasty, undrafted uh, free agent rookie that he's looking really good and he might make it over Jeffrey Wilson. But this, you know, Kyle Shanahan's system is like any game we might go with someone else I will say if Mostert has 230 plus touches he will be a top 12 fantasy running back I just don't know if he's going to get there and I hope he is because he's uber talented he's perfect for the system uh and I think he's the best guy for the job he's bulked up this off season to take on more of that workload he said um to be that lead back but we'll see he scares me a little bit I'm a massive Raheem Mostert fan, and I think he's, you know, he's going to do great. But every time I'm eyeing him down on the draft board in the fifth round, I don't hit draft. There's something, I just, I can't do it, and I don't know why.
0: I I don't know why either. You, l- you
1: love him, and you know what? I'm
0: all in. Uh, we we did spend some time watching some Raheem Mostert film this week, oh, and it was oh so good. my lord, it was so he good. is so fast. He is so elusive. I'm drafting him everywhere that I can, and I think he absolutely offers one of the highest upsides of any running back in that range. He's gotten great reviews out of camp. Everybody says that he is the best running back on that field why don't you trust Kyle Shanahan to see that as well?
1: I don't know. There's just something about it. But like but you I But
0: you trust Doug Peterson. Amazing. Yeah, I do. Amazing. I
1: mean,
0: yeah. Okay, whatever. Call me out. I- I'm
1: agreeing with you. I really re- like uh... running Roster's talent. I could see him being top 12, but he has to get 30 plus touchdowns. there will be
0: no room for you on my Raheem Moster boat. All right, all right, We fine. will sail off into the sea. <laughs> That's it for our prediction
1: episode. Let us know if you're going to blast these takes or pass on them. We'll post them on Twitter in a little thread, and you can give your opinions. Uh, yeah, you can find me at BallBlastEM, BallBlastEM.
0: And you can find me at FF Ballblast. Be sure to check out BallBlastFootball.com. Lots of great content there to get you ready for your NFL season. Uh, Check us out on Patreon, patreon.com slash ballblast. Uh, Exclusive Slack chat. Come chat with us there. And uh, we'll see you next week. Bye, y'all. Bye.